Well, good morning, church. It's good to be with you again. I want to let you know just a few things as we get started here this morning. Um, Number one, of course, we still miss you. We're doing really good on our church services, and so we know that you're not able to come yet or chose not to come. We understand that again. But we're having about 75 in our 9 o'clock service and about 75 in our 11 o'clock service. And once you get to feeling better or feel like you can get out, make sure you make that phone call and we'll have you right in. We're keeping our social distancing and doing the best that we can through all of this stuff that's going on. But remember that we love you and we're praying for you. We want you to continue to pray for us as a church family and the things that we're doing here. And, um, you know, one of these days it's all going to go by and then we're all going to be back together and we're all going to celebrate and have a big, uh, a big celebration. Um, so we are excited about that time, but in the meantime, we have what we have. But uh, I'm going to have communion in just a moment with you this morning, and uh, we're going to have a play, a play a song first, and then I'll come back and we'll do that together, and then after that we'll have a message today. And God bless you. Know that we love you. Okay, for our communion today, you know, I was thinking this morning when I got up, and I, uh, I do that in the morning sometimes, think, but nonetheless, I was thinking about how do you measure things in life, you know, by a ruler, a tape measure, you measure distance and whatever it might be, but one thing you really can't measure is love, you try to do it, I mean, I can love you this much today and this much tomorrow, and the next day I might love you this much again. So you really can't measure that in love because love continually grows. The scripture tells us plainly that God is love and so you can't measure God and so love cannot be measured in its fullest. Oh, we can try to do that, of course. We, we, we look at things to try to measure God's love for us, don't we? 
Well, one of the greatest things to look at God's measuring God's love for you and me would be the blood trail, the blood trail from maybe the place where they beat him beyond recognition and and that blood trail up the streets and to Calvary, the blood trail of where they put Jesus on the cross and nailed him there for your sins and my sins. And as that blood was dripping from his body, as he was dying for you and me, he cried out to the Father, it is finished. That's love. That's deep. And, and I thought no better way than to understand that would be in his word, of course. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever, that's you, that's me, that he loved us that much that he would give his son so we, you and I could have eternal life. And so as we take this communion this morning, I want us just to reflect upon that, measuring God's love for you and for me. So as we take this bread this morning, I want to pray over that. But let's remember that. Father God, I do thank you for uh, your love. We can't measure your love, but Father, we know that it's true. We know that it's true because you sent your son to die on a cross for us. We're so thankful. And Jesus, we thank you so much for obeying the Father so that we might have that eternal life that we read about in Scripture. Thank you. And we remember you now. In your name, amen. And as we take this cup, let us also remember again that blood that was shed for us. Without the shedding of the blood, we would still be in our sin. But because of it, we are purified. Wow, what a measure of love. Let's pray. Father, again, as we continue our prayer to you, we can't thank you enough. And Jesus... We know that there was a blood trail because the scripture does teach us that you were beat beyond recognition. Your own mother didn't even recognize you. You did all that for us. You bled out for us, for me, for my sin. Help us to not forget that, Father, of what it cost you, giving your son to show us how much you love us. Thank you, Lord. Help us to love you more each day. In the name of Jesus, amen. All right, folks, I'll be back in just a few moments. Uh, Right after this song, we'll have another message for you. Take care.
Good morning again, and I know I always say that, but uh, I made it back, and I'm glad to be with you again today, and am. I want to talk to you today about the one true God. Did you ever discover how many, um, I guess, survival shows there are on TV these days? I mean, there's all kinds of them, of course. There are Doomsday Bunkers, some people watch, Man vs. Wild, Survivor Man, Beyond Survival. Uh, what is the one? Alaska, The Last Frontier or something. Um, I Shouldn't Be Alive, Out of the Wild. Even one called Naked and Afraid, some people even watch. Now, each of those shows try to do something for us, or the, the person that's watching. They try to show us how to survive. Uh, when something might happen to you, like if you fall out of a plane in a desert or a deserted island, uh, so that you could survive. Now, I've watched a few of those shows, and, and they're okay, but the truth is, I'm pretty sure if it happened to me, I'd be more like Gilligan or Skipper than I would be, you know, maybe uh, Bear Grylls from um, Man vs. Wild. Uh, I wouldn't be too good at that stuff. But survival... I want to talk to you about that. Survival of the family, survival of a nation, of a people. How do we do that? It's dependent upon, it's dependent upon people following God's values, God's guidelines, God's teaching. And that's so important for us, and I want to address that today. The value of one true God. Now, Underlying all the basic principles, all the basic teachings of Christ, the significance there is the principles and the values which is essential for our growth in Christ, but are essential for us to be successful in our walk with God. God wants that for your life and for my life as well. So where do we get our values? Where do they come from? Well, most people, if you ask them, my values come from my parents, and I'm sure that you have had great parents. I had great parents, and many of the values that I have today were instilled by that. But there's a world out there that's trying to beat us up with its values, and you know that, don't you? So, the world around us is teaching us at an alarming rate that the values of God, or the values in God, and His teachings are not uh, what we should follow today. In fact, they, they say, the world says, that they're outdated, but they are, and, and in that process, they discriminate against me or you or the world around us. And they're harmful what, for what real life is all about. And yet, we as Christians know better than that, don't we? Well, sure we do. We know a lot better than that. We know that following the teachings of God are not only true, but they are a blessing to us in our lives. Now, if I use the word Puxatani Phil, you probably know him as the little rodent that comes out in the springtime and shows his shadow. But Puxatani, Pennsylvania, don't ask me how to spell it because I can barely pronounce it, but made the newspapers, and it wasn't about this little uh, groundhog. It was actually about a man by the name of Donald Wyman. Do you know that name, Donald Wyman? You probably don't. He was by himself in the deep woods of Pennsylvania when he was pinned down by a fallen tree. He was by himself. There was no way he was going to get free. It had crushed his leg. It was beyond repair. There was no help, no hope for him. And with nothing more than a pocket knife, he amputated his leg. And he drug himself, dragged himself to his pickup truck, made it to the hospital, and he survived. Now I share that to share this. 
when he was interviewed, in which it was a long story, but in his interview, he said these, some of these things. He said it was a terrible ordeal. And I'm thinking, you think? Yeah, sure it was. He said, I had a life and death situation before me, and I could only choose one, life or death. He said, I have so much to live for that I did the only thing that I could do. I chose life. Now, isn't that interesting? Jesus tells us how one can have life forever. For in the book of John itself, in John chapter 4, he talks about there, he talks about the water, him being the water that brings eternal life to you and me. In John chapter 6, he talks about the bread of life that gives eternal life. And then in John chapter 17, he says these words. Now, this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. That is pretty plain and pretty clear to me. The problem is that we are and have been allowing the world around us to steal this truth from us. The truth of the fact that from, from the beginning of the time, they have been trying to replace God with an imaginary God. So let's talk about an imaginary God for a bit. A make-believe God is what the world wants you to believe. That's what they're teaching. That's its whole aim, is to get you and me to believe something that's not real. Now, Jeff Walling said it years ago, but I think he said it best when he said, I think it's time that we steal back from the world what the, we let the world steal from us. And that's true. Now, the world will continually move from one imaginary God to the next one. The problem is imaginary gods don't exist. But they move from one to the next to the next to the next, all the while hoping that everything will be just fine. Because that's what they're telling you. The world will tell you as they move from one to the next, everybody's fine. You do this, it's fine. You do that, it's fine. If I want to do this, whenever I want, however I want, it doesn't make any difference because no one governs me. No one challenges me. No one judge, judges me. None of that happens in my life. So therefore, I'm free to go. And when it's all said and done, Everything and everybody's perfectly fine because everybody goes to heaven in a little rowboat, clap, clap, we might say. But it's not true. The world itself is full of imaginary gods. Now, I know Paul was talking to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians. He was talking to the church there about these sacrificed uh, or food sacrifices there, he is. But it refers to all kinds of little gods with a little g. I want to share that with you. And so if you have your Bibles, you need to look this one up because it's a real powerful verse or a passage there. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse number 4 through 6. There is no God but one. For even if there are so-called gods, little g, whether in heaven and or on earth, as indeed there are many gods, little g, and many lords, little l, yet for us there is but one God. God the Father, from whom all things came and for whom we live. And there is but one Lord, Jesus the Christ, through whom all things came and through whom we live. It's pretty clear, isn't it? The psalmist said long ago in Scripture, in Psalms 16, verse number 4, he tells us something that we know is absolutely true today. Do you know what it says? It says, those who run after other gods, little g, will suffer more and more. And that's what we've been doing. 
The world around us, they're chasing other gods, little g. They're chasing other gods, and the scripture here says they will suffer more and more, and that's the fallout that we have today in our world. Just turn on your TV set. It's all because people are chasing an, an imaginary God, a false God, gods with little g's, and they wonder what's gone wrong. In 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 and following, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the boastful pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Imaginary gods don't exist, once again. And one can never win pretending that they do, but that's what the world wants you to believe. That if I can build myself an imaginary God, we can win this thing. But you can't win with an imaginary God. Kind of reminds me of the golfer that was, he wasn't having a very good game. In fact, his game was way off. So he goes to a psychologist and the psychologist tells him, this is what you need to do. You need to go back and play a round of golf, but you need to play with an imaginary golf ball. Think about that. He said, just pretend it's an imaginary golf ball, and he, she said, you'll have a great game. So what does he do? He goes to the golf course, he lines it, his imaginary golf ball up and hits it straight down the middle of the fairway, 280 yards, great shot. Pops it up, gets a shot up on the green, pops it in a hole, birdie the first one. Man, it's going great for him. Everything's fine with his imaginary golf ball. And so he gets to the 18th hole and he runs into another golfer. And this golfer, too, must have had some problems, probably went to the same psychiatrist. And so he goes in there and he says, you know, I'm playing like that as well with an imaginary golf ball. You want to play for a round? He said, sure. So golfers do this often. They play for a hole. They play maybe a couple dollars per hole. And said, so let's play $10 for this 18th hole. What do you think? Uh, the golfer, golfer said, no problem. So the first golfer, he lines up his imaginary golf ball, swings, and hits it right down the middle of the fairway. 280 yards. Beautiful shot. Second golfer, now mind you, remember, he has an imaginary golf ball too. And he hits his shot identical to the first golfer, and it lands within inches from the golf ball. Wow, he says. So the first golfer pulls out his five iron, chips it up onto the green, plops it right in a hole, and declares himself the winner. And the other golfer says, you didn't win. He says, what do you mean? I just put it in a hole. He said, yeah, I know. But you hit my ball. Imaginary. Doesn't work, does it? No. You cannot make an imaginary God and expect to win the race. What the world is trying to shove down our throats is imaginary gods with a fantasy outcome. It doesn't work. An imaginary god has no value and takes no value in you. That's not a misprint. Let me say it again. An imaginary god has no value and takes no value in you. However, our real God, God value, values each of us. Why? Because you matter to Him. We all do. You do. I do. We all do. We all matter to God. How do we know that? How do we know that God has, sees value in us? How do we know that? For Scripture tells us that. Just remember this. John 3.16 and John, 1 John 3.16. What do they say? It says this. This is how we know what love is. How do you know what love is? 
Jesus Christ laid down His life for us, for you, Christ died for. That's not imaginary. That's true. It happened. And in uh, John chapter 3 that we read during our communion time, for God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. He did that for you because you matter to Him. We all do for God. The value God saw in you was worth dying for. And once you understand that and grab that in your spirit, and when you discover that, you realize the value of living now for Him. That's what we need to remember. So in the book of 1 John, there's much to be said there. And I would just encourage you, maybe an assignment this week would be, read the book of 1 John. It takes you less than 10 minutes, and I'm a slow reader. And through that, it's wonderful because it talks about this God that is, is the God of light. It starts off with that light, that He is the light. And here's the wonderful thing about that. I want to praise God. There is a light that overwhelms the darkness of the world in which we find ourselves today. That's good news. So what does it say in 1 John chapter 1, verse 5-7? through 7? This is the message that we have heard from Him and declare to you. God is light. In Him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with Him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus His Son purifies us from all of our sin. Praise God. Know this, my friend. An imaginary God purifies nothing in your life. It only fools you into believing that it does. Our God purifies us from all unrighteousness. May His name forever be praised. In that section of loan that I just read there in 1 John, it gives us the glimpse of who God is for us. He is the light. He is the light that means that He is visible at all times. God doesn't hide. Darkness hides things. God doesn't hide. He is light. Light exposes things. The world loves darkness because it loves to hide its evil, thinking that if no one sees me, I'll get away with it. You see why all this stuff happens at night? That's right. Why? Because they're hiding. They're in the darkness. But the Christian, the Christian is to walk in the light. And if we walk in the light, we not only, we not only see clearly, but we have the purification of all of our sins. The consequences of our sins can be removed because we walk in the light of Jesus. Now it's amazing to me that our world today is, you know, green this and you got to have that and don't eat this and got to have uh, farm fresh eggs and all that. All that's great. And, you know, you got to do this exercise, you got to have this, all that stuff. And they do all of that. It's amazing because everything they eat and they drink, they want it purified. We've got to have purified. Purified this, purified that. So that they can live healthy lives, which is a good thing. I'm not against it. And yet they refuse the very thing that can give them eternal life. Life forever. And they refuse it. I want life, but I don't want life, is what they're saying. From the moment of our conception. Until the moment of our last breath, we crave 
life. You remember I've been telling you that all along through this pandemic time. What I've discovered is one thing in this it for sure is that people want to live. They crave to live. They'll do anything to get another day, to get another week, to get another month, to live life. And yet the value of life and the values that give true life are just being faded away among us. You tell that to some people and they'll call you a bigot today. But it's the truth. If you eat and drink of this world's and the world values, your spiritual life will never take off. Your spiritual life will diminish, in fact. Because of the you're feeding on not only something that is imaginary, but it's contaminated. It's the world. It can't work. But if you eat and you drink of the values of God, the teachings of God, you will have eternal life, His promise to us. You see, the rescuer, write this down, the rescuer has come to rescue. But if one rejects the offer, the rescue hasn't failed. Not at all. Let me kind of wrap things up with this this morning. I heard a comedian ask once, his audience, he simply said, Christians are so poor. And the audience, of course, yelled back, how poor are they? He simply said, Christians are so poor that they only have one God. And the audience just laughed. But you know what? He was actually right. He was right. We do. We have one God because there is only one true God. But he was also wrong. He was wrong. He was wrong in saying that we are poor. For in fact, that is what makes us rich. It's found in Jesus. Now this is eternal life. That they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. That's life, my friend. The riches, the richness, how can I say this? The richness of eternal life cannot be totally understood by human minds. However, if one accepts Jesus as their Savior... Here's the great news. If one accepts Jesus as their Savior, it's promised by God with the big G that someday we will. We'll understand it. So do you trust the one true God? For if you do, you're on the right track. But if you don't, my friend, you're trusting an imaginary God. And my friend, you have no hope because pretending gets no one to heaven. Only Jesus, only Jesus does that. Trust Him today, will you, my friend? Just trust Him today. Don't trust the world. Don't trust the imaginary gods. Keep your hope and trust in Jesus the Christ. And someday, eternal life will be yours as well. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank You. I thank You that... We have the technology today to be able to record things and be able to get it out to people that can't come to church or maybe halfway around the world. Got a note the other day from somebody in Germany that they were listening to these services. And I, I just pray, Father, that you, you touch their hearts as well, all our lives. Father, we know the world is a lie. They're telling us lies all the time. 
They want us to believe these imaginary gods, that any way is okay, but it's not. Father, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And Father, we come to You today believing in Jesus, that He died for us, and He rose again on the third day. And that, yes, Father, we haven't lost sight of the fact that one day we're going to be with You forever, and we'll understand the richness that we really have the treasure that You've promised us. But between now and then, Father, we are to have this joy within us. This joy because we know what awaits us. Even in the middle of a dark, dark world, may we be the ones to stand and shine. And may we keep Your values, the values that You have for us, Your teaching in our hearts. Not only today, but forevermore, Father. Thank You so much for loving us. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, my friend. We'll be talking to you real soon, I promise. Take care. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus Just to take Him at His word Just to rest upon His promise Just to know the saith the Lord Jesus, Jesus, how I trust Him, how I proved Him more and more. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust Him.